Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, it is Thursday morning, uh, which means the new unemployment claims came out. It also means we're following up with Greg Dickerson to have a talk. Uh, so how you doing, Greg? I'm doing good, Michael. How about you? Pretty good. You nailed it. I think you pointed five million exactly, and, and yeah. I'll give it to you. It came in at five point two four five. So uh, can I have the lotto numbers, and and you know I'll split it with you. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, it just seemed like a like a logical number. You know I thought we'd be closer to ten the week before. Okay. And I think, you know, a lot of it was just people couldn't get through the system. Mm-hmm. And I think there still are a number of people that can't get through the system, but it seems like we're coming to the, you know, that's starting to decline as well. So hopefully, you know, yeah. we'll probably see another five next week, I bet you. Oh, okay. Well, let's put this on, uh, on air. So you're calling 5 million next week as well. I think so. I'm going to call three. Three? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do 3.5. Let's do okay. 3. three and a half. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to see another five. Okay. All right. I think I think we're just getting the backlog that couldn't, like I said, they couldn't even get through. Yeah, that's no, very true. And we're going to start to suffer second order derivative closings. Like I know Silicon Valley is starting to lay off, right? We've been in, in the Bay, we've been on lockdown close to six weeks. Um, and really all the tech companies are like, just work from home, work from home, work from home. But it's getting to a point where they're getting into the corridor, realizing their pipelines turned to nothing. Com- companies aren't paying them. So I expect Silicon Valley layoffs to start here soon. Yeah. So you could be right. Yeah, yeah, big retail. Another bad week like that. But, you know, it's crazy, man. Everybody's everybody's like in the real world except Wall Street. Yeah, no you know, kidding. All this bad earnings comes out. All the unemployment numbers come out. What happens? The futures in the market shoot up. It's like, what the heck are these people thinking? But, yeah. you know, so here's, here's the thing. Okay, so if you notice the banks when they released earnings yesterday, they lost money everywhere except their trading desk. Yes. So what's happening is, like we talked about the other day, all this liquidity, the reason the market was at 30000 before this happened was because it was all the liquidity that's been pumped into the Fed, uh, that the Fed's been pumping into the banks, and they're using it to trade stocks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, that was an easy bet, right? Everybody is shorting the market, so the banks go in, and what do they do? You know, they go in there, put a bunch of puts in, and bam, you know, or I don't even know what that's called, but they're betting on it going up, not down, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know. It's crazy. Crazy. Something I thought I would do with you today, Greg, is kind yeah. of, um, let's put out some, I don't know, I guess our opinions on, I don't know if I want to call them warnings, but maybe it's things that are just too hot for us to touch. And yeah. what I mean by hot is there's just too much pain. It's too early. Uh, and really what I want to put this out there for is I saw a lot of people in the 08 crash that were actually positioned okay, but they, they went all in too early and ended up getting hurt. Um, because that was a very long downdraft. And if you bought in, if you bought in at 20% discount, at least mm-hmm. in my area, you still suffered another 40% drop. Right. So it didn't feel good. Um, so what do you think is just has too much pain is going to be too much to unwind and should not be looked at by the average investors. There's always the experts that, you know, the, the special folks, but just the average mom and pop investors, what is too hot? What should be avoided the next 12 to 18 months you think? Yeah. So obviously hospitality and that's out of the average investors reach anyways, other than small like motor lodges or something like that. But um, you know, that, that industry is going to be out of reach for a lot of people and you just want to stay away from it because there's no telling 
how long that's going to take to come back. There's going to be some really great deals, mm -hmm. uh, really good opportunities, but you got to have deep pockets, patient capital. So that's one retail. Uh, you definitely want to stay away from retail. Now I've heard a lot of people saying there's going to be a lot of opportunities in retail and you know, you can buy some, some, uh, you know, less expensive assets out there. So the average investor can buy some retail, but the problem is if the retail is vacant and it's selling for pennies on the dollar, there's going to be a reason. And you know, what's the likelihood of getting somebody back in there. Mm -hmm. So again, it can be a good opportunity, but you need deep pockets and you're going to need, you know, patient capital to weather that storm. And if you're looking at those types of assets, you need to underwrite it, you know, with the assumption that you're only going to generate probably half the income that you normally could uh, to break even. So mm -hmm. you have to look at it from that standpoint. So I think those are the two most at risk assets right now. So far, multifamilies perform well at all levels. Everybody I know, everybody mm -hmm. I've talked to are within 75 at the worst to 90% collection rate in all across the board, yeah. ABC, you know, properties. So uh, I really thought like C and D properties would, would be uh, the properties that would struggle and have an issue. But so far, you know, that's not, a, that's, that hasn't been an issue. So I would still keep an eye on those. I still think A and B is the place to be. Those are the mm -hmm. ones that are going to do the best. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the workforce that's the most insulated and usually has the most reserves. Mm -hmm. So the lower end multifamily properties I'd stay away from, and, uh, you know, right now, uh, the real estate market is still good. You know, housing, housing prices haven't really dropped in a lot of areas. I was on a panel last night uh, with a bunch of builders um, and several of them in your, your area in Northern California and Southern California. And they're still selling, you know, over 2 million in Newport Beach. You really? Know, in wow. County. Yeah. Still a hot price point. He said, if you get over two and a half million, you know, it slows down, but anything in the 2 million range is still doing well. And then somebody in, Believe it or not, Austin, Texas, you know, she's doing, you know, $1.5 million spec houses and are selling. So, um, okay. you know, my market is still really good. I'm on the East Coast, you know, near D.C. Wow. So my whole region is doing extremely well. Um, so, uh, so anyways, retail, hospitality, those are the big no-nos right now. You don't want to go near them. Uh, and you want to watch your low-income properties and just understand who the tenants are, what their employment situation is. And again, anything you're looking at, at that in that area, I'd underwrite to a break-even of 50%. Yeah. Meaning your NOI needs to, uh, you know, or your occupancy needs to be 50% to break even. You know, so you want to make sure that you can, you can sustain that property at that level. Yeah. That's interesting because it's interesting about Newport and Austin because I guess Austin, Texas is always, Texas is always like its own little world. So let's talk about Newport. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the median price is in Newport Beach. Do you think it's like, it's probably like 1.2, 1.3, you think? It's well, up just, there. I mean, I'm just know, guessing. Yeah, it's got to be over over a million, close to two, I would think. Okay. So, because what I was trying to get at is, it's, you know, it seems like two to two and a half is a, is a sweet spot. I'm just wondering mm -hmm. how far over the median that is because um, – I guess where I was coming to this conversation is the stuff that I would avoid. And again, I could, mm -hmm. I, I could be wrong, but um, I would avoid the high end. Mm -hmm. I think the high end is in trouble. I think too much of that inventory was being built in most markets. There's always, maybe Newport's just such a constrained, constrained spot. There's no more land, right? That's always like New York, but yeah, I, I think that's, I thought the high end. Well, you got to remember trouble. interest rates are still cheap. The yeah. people at the higher end markets are still making money. They haven't felt a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially the white collar jobs, Silicon Valley, San Francisco, yeah. housing prices haven't dropped in San Francisco. I mean, yeah. you know, it's all interest rates are still relatively low. Those buyers that are buying $2 million houses are qualifying anyway. So yeah, even the jumbo loan market though, I, I heard that's in trouble. Maybe they're paying cash. Maybe I don't, I don't know. A lot of them paying cash, you know, wow. um, you could get jumbo loans, but they're, you know, they're just a little bit more expensive and you yeah. know, the, the 
criteria is a little bit more stringent. But yeah, some some lenders have pulled out of that market. Yeah. And then the other area that I was thinking about that would be too, I mean, again, I say this as an owner of a property in this market, but New York City. I think we just don't know what's going on in New York City now, whether yeah. it's residential condos. Um, it could it could be fine. It could be like nine eleven where they had a quarter bump, you know, a quarter fall, and then it comes back. You know, I am not of that belief. I think New York, New York City, right, Manhattan is is in trouble. And well, here's the big thing. So if you're talking about ge- geography, you know, geographically where to be. So what I would look for is the states that have like New York, California. Uh-huh that have serious rent controls and they're going to get even more tenant friendly through this environment. So you may not even be able to raise rent at all on, uh, you know, in place residents and then only so much going forward after this, you know, uh, situation for a while, because this ain't going away, you know, until you get a vaccine, this is not going away. So, you know, the, the coronavirus economy uh, and the housing market is going to exist for some time. So Mm. there's going to be a lot of, you know, tenant friendly laws out there to protect people that are losing their jobs, even after we go back to work. If somebody gets sick and loses their job, you're not going to be able to evict them. So this, this is going to be something you're going to have to deal with for a long time. So just be cognizant of that. I'd stay away from hot spots. I'd stay away from rent control areas. And I'd stay away from, you know, anywhere where the weather is bad. You know, mm. so I'd stay in the Southeast United States where, yeah. you know, the weather is nice, it's consistent. And, um, you know, generally they're not having as many issues in those areas. Yeah. The other one that I would stay away from, it's, again, it's in the hot spot, but it's in the what would it be? The Southwest is Las Vegas. Yeah. I think Las Vegas is, it's going to have a hard couple of years. It's been overbuilt, very dependent on kind of that travel and leisure, all the services that are around the casinos. There's just not a lot of industry open in Vegas today. And I could only imagine what it's like being a landlord in Vegas today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's an interesting market. And, you know, it went from the best housing market to the worst housing market back to one of the top. Housing yeah, you're right. And, you know, so it's, uh, it's really interesting. I think the inventory levels are the key to watch there. Now, you ah, know, Arizona, Las yeah. Vegas, good environment, good climate. I don't think they're having big outbreaks, you know, hotspot issues like some of yeah. the other areas. Those could be good areas for buying. You just got to watch them, watch, you know, uh, what the rent, you know, renter laws are like there and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think right now it's too soon. Okay. Yeah, so that's the point. Um, too soon. Yeah. It, it's just too soon to know. And the market is still good. I mean, inventory's down, home builder, um, you know, all those reports came out, permits are down, all that. So we've we've got a housing undersupply right now, believe it or not. Yeah. All no. across the country. We do You're not right. have enough housing out there. So as long as that stays steady, uh, builders have not been able to keep up with demand, partially because of the labor market, partially because they're not building like they used to. So they're not going out and building thousands of homes mm. and hoping people will come. They're building as they're sold. So it's keeping the inventory under control and at a pace where the market can absorb it versus 2008-9. Mm. Um, the other thing is, you know, this isn't as bad generally as 2008-9, but from an economic hit, it's way worse oh, way all worse. at once because it all came at once. Yep. And it's going to take another year to 18 months to work back out of this to get yes. things firing because of what's going to happen once we do go back. Once they open the doors, we're going to have outbreaks. We're going to have, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to lock them back down again. You're going to have limited, you know, um, openings of things and gatherings and stuff like that. So it's going to be a 12 to 18 month period. So if you look at 2009, March of 2009 was the bottom, um, where the real effects were felt were all through the end of that year. And it wasn't until 2010 and even 11 Mm -hmm. when it was time to jump back in and start getting after it. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, and then the other thing that I'm nervous about that I think, again, it's too early to look at is air, markets that have been dominated by Airbnb that yeah. are more like vacation spots, right? A lot of transactions happened in the last couple of years because people justified you know, 99 $300, $400 daily rates mm-hmm. that just aren't going to happen for a while. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of pain there. And it doesn't, it doesn't, being early in an environment like that is not a good idea, I don't think. Yeah. So my market where I came from was a vacation rental market, summer mm-hmm. vacation destination, Outer Banks of North Carolina, where the Wright mm-hmm. brothers took off in Kitty Hawk. Oh, cool. Um, they're shut down and have been since uh, March 27th. They closed access to that beach. So you can't get, even if you own property, you cannot get there. Oh, wow. And uh, out of state property owner. So, you know, they closed it off to everybody, but the year round residents. And uh, I mean, I have family there and I can't even go visit them, you know? Wow. So, um, you know, there's nothing happening there. So there's going to be a lot of, depending on how long this goes. So they've already lost April and May, which are, you know, off season rates, but it's still, you know, a decent income. But if they lose any of May and June, and then once you get in July, those are peak weeks where some of these houses rent for 10 to $50,000 a week. You know, it's kind of like the Hamptons, you know, except for not as high end, but there's some big houses, you know, eight, 12, 16, 24 bedroom houses that rent for a lot of money. So that's a market that I'm keeping an eye on that, you know, a lot of those sellers aren't going to be able to survive this loss of income this year and they're going to have to sell this property. Yeah. So let's play this, let's play this out because this is something I'm actively looking at. So, um, so they have a residential loan, correct? Cause it's a house, even yeah. if it's a big house, it's residential. Okay. Yeah. It's residential. Yep. All right. So right now it, under the rules of most of the loans, they can, they can get 90 days forbearance. No questions asked. Right. I hear talk now that they might be extended pretty easily to 12 months. So if we play that out, somebody who has a big ass house in the outer banks of North Carolina, they probably won't get into real financial pain having to make a decision until January, February of next year. Right? Yeah. So they'll, they'll take advantage of that because the initial forbearance, you just fill out a form and you're done now. Done. Yep. I don't know how that works for vacation homes. Okay. So these these are investment properties. They're residential, but they're investment property loans. That's true. So banks are looking at that differently because they're saying, wait a minute, this is not your permanent house. This is investment loan. You submitted documentation that you had the amount of money you needed uh, in reserves. So you need to pay your mortgage. So what my understanding from a lot of the lenders for those types of properties is that, you know, it may not be as easy as just filling the form out on the internet, but let's say it is. Yeah. Um, And they can, they can get that initial three months, no documentation. Yeah. I think everybody gets, everybody gets 90 days. Okay. So let's assume that's the case. So you get 90 days, but at the end of that 90 days, you got to pay it all up. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that will get them through the summer season. Yeah. They'll probably break even. They're not going to make any money. So they'll probably put that house on the market uh, that fall. So that fall and winter will be a big. Okay. So September, like, October. I don't ever want this to happen again because this right. is going to keep going. Yep. Yeah. They're going to have this in the back of their head and say, I'm done. I'm out. I don't want this to happen again. The problem is um, a lot of those houses don't have a lot of equity, you know, yeah. so, uh, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And, and what we saw back in 2008, nine, was really interesting. People were collecting rental income, not paying the bank. Yep. So now whenever a property goes into default and a notice is filed of default, the rental company seizes all the income and doesn't release it to the owner. Uh-huh. And then the other thing they do is they, they guard that house because the owners were going in, clearing out all the furniture. Stripping them, yeah. <laughs> Selling them. So, uh, uh, I remember. Know, so we, were seeing, yeah. we were seeing those houses getting cleaned out left and right in 2009 and 10. And then all the short sale business started and all that. Oh, so, yeah. 
So anyways, it's too early there. We'll see, you know, fall, depending on how deep it goes into the season, what, what ends up happening. But I think we're going to see a lot of people put those houses on the market this fall and in the winter. But it's a very unmet, unmotivated seller market. It always has been because their income generated. I mean, those things are, they're like thoroughbreds. They do some very nice uh, gross rent ratios. You know, they're usually around 10 to 15 uh, percent, meaning the rental income is 10 to 15 times um, the value of the house, you know, on a gross rent multiple. So if it's a, you know, if it does a hundred thousand dollars a year in rent, the house will sell for a million bucks, you wow. know? So that's kind of how, how that works in that market. All right. So let's play that out with that example, right? Let's assume the income stays the same. The potential income stays the same. Do you see compression on that given just the amount of inventory that may hit in the fall and winter? Or do you think it'll always, you know, if it goes down, it'll be like 10%, it'll be 900 grand. I mean, do you have any, any gut opinion on that? You know, so even with the low interest rates and as, as good as the market's been, we have not seen prices. Um, yep. We've seen prices come down on the houses. So we've seen that gap widen in terms of what you can buy for your, your dollar. Okay. We haven't seen prices going up, if that's what you mean. Right. Yeah. yeah but so, I'm wondering what, so let's just play it out. Let's just say in January, mm-hmm. you could buy a million dollar house that produced a hundred grand, which I think what you said. Yeah. Now let's fast forward to next January right? Where we have all this inventory coming on in September, nothing is selling because everybody's afraid. Do you think you see price reductions then? Still produces a hundred grand, but you can buy it for 800 or what, what do you think? Yeah. Happens? Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you can see that now. You can okay. see some houses that are producing a hundred thousand that you can buy for, you know, seven, 800,000. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. So it just depends on the seller. So really there's, you know, a lot of those people have owned property for a long time there. A lot of them yeah. are newers, but if they have the income to carry it, they're not going to dump it. You know, that, that's what I mean by it's the most unmotivated seller's market I've ever experienced. Okay. Um, and even in, the, even in the crisis, you know, I was telling people and making offers on land because I mostly built. I didn't buy right. houses, I build them and sell them. And I'd offer money on their lot. And I'm like, look, the, the market's going down. This was 2009, 10 timeframe. Yeah. And I was still buying and developing even after that. And uh, people were like, oh, no, it'll be worth twice as much as 10 years. I'm like, no, it's going to be worth half, half as much in 10 years. And I was right. <laughs> the values have gone down over the last 10 years, about 50% from where they were at their peak and they have not come back up yet. So that market has just gotten back to where it was before the boom Mm. in 04 and 05. That was the peak of that market. They're back to 2000, 2001 levels. Everything ran up to 05, had a little dip, then it ran up to 09 and then it got cut slam. I mean, that market got cut slam in half by about 50% in terms of values. Okay. But the renters kept coming and the rental income kept increasing. Right. But what happened is post, uh, you know, now post 2009 and especially the last three years, rental incomes have increased exponentially. Interest rates have dropped exponentially. So it's the perfect storm in terms of buying cash flow okay. for those, those short-term rentals, for those gotcha. properties. They've become very attractive gotcha. and land costs have come down. So those things are thoroughbreds. I mean, I'm telling you, I can build a $2 million oceanfront there right now. Uh, my cost, land and house, $2 million bucks that will rent for $250,000, $260,000 a year. Um, and you can get three and a half percent money on that, uh, at one time. I don't know where it's at right this minute, but you could get three and a half percent money five weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) The world has changed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so you put 20% down, uh, you're going to get 60% of that income. Mm. I mean, that was a, you know, 12, 15%. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. The other thing I wanted to ask you about given your history and experience is what do you think about kind of. I don't know, new development of, of strip, strip malls or, uh, you know, single level office to configure buildings. Yeah. Cause again, I think there's going to be a lot of inventory that comes on. That's going to be yeah. vacant. And you, I know, do you want to 
be building that when you have all this kind of previously used inventory coming? What, what yeah, do you think not, about not retail? Okay. Yeah, not retail. Now, location specific, but sure. in general, right. I think you're going to see a lot of vacancy everywhere. So uh, it's going to be cheaper to buy than it is to build. Okay. Um, you know, for retail. So I wouldn't be messing with that right now uh, or office. I'd wait and see how that shakes out. Right. But multifamily, I'm great. I'm, yeah. I'm fine with multifamily. I think if you can, you know, if you can, and the lending is still there for multifamily. Sure. You know, you'd be lucky to get a loan right now for a new retail development for 50% oh. LTV, so, uh, or LTC. So, um, yeah, you know, that's imagine. the big thing that's changed there. But yeah, that's not a smart move right now, uh, unless you are somewhere where there isn't anything and nobody's been affected. I don't know where that is, but yeah. it could be. Maybe. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> I'm going to say there are, you know, market specific, but in general, yeah. Uh, you got to wait and see how this shakes out, see what that retail landscape looks like before you break ground on something. Um, but, you know, again, I'm fine with multifamily, especially smaller niche projects, 20, 40, you know, unit deals. Okay. Uh, I think those those are really good because you can get them done quick and you can lease them up quick. You yeah. know, the, the 180 to 250 unit deals are going to take you a little bit longer to get done and get leased up. All right. And then um, one of the things that obviously drives this going forward is going to be what's lending like in a year, meaning bank lending. I think we're in an environment that's unquestionably bank lending is tightening, right? Mm -hmm. You saw all the big banks have huge reserves for bad debt here recently. Yeah. Um, I think bank lending certainly gets tighter the next 90 days. But do you think if you fast forward a year, do you think, I guess this question, assuming today's the baseline, yeah. do you think lending is easier or harder in January? You know, all things considered, we get a vaccine, everything's coming back to work, people are paying their rent, and we're not seeing defaults. Mm. Um, I think it gets easier and it loosens up again. Okay. Um, you know, the, you know look, just look at what happened post-2009 to now. Okay. You know, uh, we are back basically before this happened where you could almost get no, no documentation yeah. loans again. We are almost there. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, those guidelines are loosened up quite a bit. And everybody knows that that is the key to our economy. It's all about the liquidity. Yeah. It's all about the lending in the, in the mortgage market. That's where, that's where the Fed and the Treasury meet Main Street. That, that's yep. the only place they meet it. This SBA stuff and paycheck protection stuff, that's not helping anybody. Um, and it's not going to help anybody. It's actually, it can actually do damage. So where it's really going to, the rubber's going to meet the road with the mortgage market, keeping rates low, keeping that lending pipeline open for people to be able to take equity lines out, buy houses. That's what's going to keep this economy going. You know, the other stuff, you know, it's just a burden on a business to have that debt behind them when they get back open. Because, right. you know, they're dealing with a bank. You know, that's at the end of the day, it's a bank that's loaning you that money. And it's up to them, verify all the documentation, income and all that. So, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, for businesses that can survive, depending on, you know, if we're two to four weeks away from getting, you know, somewhat back to business, the problem is they're not even going to be at break-even numbers in those businesses for another six to 12 yeah. months. Yeah, no kidding. Yep. Long time to think about. It's, it's fun to think about though, right? What, what's going to be exciting? What's too hard to touch? Any kind of closing thoughts uh, as you look at the business environment into the end of the end of this year, beginning of next year? Yeah, it's going to change. It's going to be different. We're going to see uh, the face of industry, retail, food yeah. service, hospitality change dramatically, right? So there's gonna be a lot of iconic brands and companies that are no longer going to be around, which has been happening anyways. Um, there's going to be more labor. So everybody was oh, hurting yeah. for help. Yeah. So I don't think jobs are going to be a problem. I think, you know, the, 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 the restaurants, hotels, and retailers that can reopen are going to rehire all those, all those people. The problem is they're getting paid so much stinking money. There's not a lot of motivation for some people to go back to work. Amen. You know, yeah. in some states, yeah. you can make more on unemployment than you were making before you got it. So that's a problem. But, 
uh, at the end of the day, that's money that they'll be spending. So I don't think we're going to have a problem getting people back to work. That'll open up, um, you know, opportunities for employers that, that were struggling to get help before because everybody was stressed trying to find help, especially in the food service industry, yeah. hospitality industry. They just struggled. Yeah. Uh, the big issue is going to be, you know, the conference business, sporting events, colleges. I don't know what that's going to look like, you know, those types of things. But um, it's going to be different. It's going to change. I feel good about the lending market. I think the government stepped in at the right time quickly and shored mm-hmm. all that up. So I think that'll, that'll, and even Freddie and Fannie say, Hey, this is temporary, you know, right. give it six months. Let's make sure everybody's performing. Um, you know, they're advising their smart operators to, you know, suspend um, distributions, yep. build your reserves. Let's get through the next 90 days and then revisit that. So I think the smart operators are building their reserves. They're not, you know, paying the, the distributions. Um, they're not making big capital expenditures. They're keeping cash you got to protect the asset you got to protect the investors right and that's how you do that so um you know that's what's coming down from F- freddie and fanny and they're saying give us six months and then you know they'll probably open the floodgates again yeah i agree well this is always fun i always like talking to you it helps me understand get clarity on uh, all the stuff i don't know frankly so it's i always like learning from you greg i appreciate you yeah it's a lot of fun michael i enjoy it all right buddy take care of yourself thank you yeah.